We're going to be over in a couple of areas of Scripture. We'll start over in, in Mark chapter 11 again just to review our Scriptures we're looking at in this. But according to a news report, there was a certain private school in Victoria that recently was faced with a very unique problem. A number of 12-year-old girls were beginning to use lipstick and would put it on in the bathroom. Well, that was all fine. But after they had put on their lipstick, they would go and press their lips up against the mirror. I've never had to apply lipstick, so I'm not exactly sure why that would have to be done. But at any rate, these were that's what they were doing. So they're leaving dozens of these little lip prints all across the mirror. And every night the janitor had to go in there and scrub off the lipstick off of there. And, you know, they would talk to the girls and, and they would tell them, you know, not to do this. And, well, you all know how far that will get with you with, with sometimes. And so they, the uh, lipstick kept appearing and the janitor kept cleaning them off. So one time a teacher had pulled the girls into the room and said, uh, we want you to understand how difficult it is for the janitor to clean off the mirror from you girls when you press your lips up against there and put the lipstick on. And so we just I asked the janitor to come into the restroom here with us and so he could demonstrate and show you how hard it is to get those lipstick marks off. And so with that, the janitor took his big big uh, window cleaning, you know, the little thing you get dipped in water and all that, and he dipped it into the toilet and spread it over the mirror and scrubbed it off. And so they could see how difficult it was. They said they never had another problem from that point on <laughs> of the girls putting their lips on the... <laughs> well, they say there are teachers and then there are educators. <laughs> well, Jesus is certainly a teacher and an educator. And we're going to get an education here today on some things. You know, sometimes you can hear some stuff and it just doesn't sink in. You just don't quite act on it. You don't quite do it. And then all of a sudden, you see the janitor wash off the wind, the mirror. And it dawns on you <laughs> what you need to do. <laughs> We've been going over the principles of faith and believing and doubting and speaking. And in your outline, I actually put a synopsis of some of this just to keep us reminded of these principles. But let's go over the... The foundational scripture for this where Jesus taught us on this. In verse 22, So Jesus answered and said to them in Mark 11:22, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Now here in the saying part of this this verse, we, he starts off first off by saying, have faith in God, or as the margin says, have the God kind of faith. Speak a specific defined path. Believe what you say. Don't doubt in your heart. And you will have whatever you say. That's what Jesus taught us. We've been studying these principles in a number of areas in Scripture. Spent some time on Mark chapter 5 and saw how some folks applied those things. That We saw that doubt in our heart is when we speak doubts out of our mouth. We can't always stop the thoughts in our head, but boy, we can sure stop the words of our mouth. James teaches us that the words of our mouth guide us, direct us. That it's like a, a great ship with a small rudder. And that little rudder directs the ship where it's going to go. And that's what our mouth does. We've got to make sure that even though doubts may get into our, our head, we don't let them get down into our heart and we certainly don't speak them out of our mouth. The difference between head doubt and heart doubt is what we say. Don't get out there and, and speak these things. But last week we began to look at some override principles. And we were in the book of Jeremiah. How many of y'all went on home and read the whole book of Jeremiah? I'm sure that a number of you probably did. Probably just bashful. Don't want to show anybody else up. <laughs> but if you kept on going in the chapters that where we stopped, you would have found out that even though Jeremiah spoke to them and said, now don't do this, they still did it. And many died because of it. If you didn't read it, I won't spoil the rest of that story for you. We could have gone into there and still shown you some more of this principle, but decided to leave from there and go into some other areas. In Matthew chapter 26, we're going to look at two more examples of people who put an override principle into work. Matthew 26, we're going to begin over at verse 31. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Now, many of us will look at that and with our 
no faith background and word background, we would think that is a negative confession. How dare you say that over me? I mean, really, Jesus. Don't you understand? You shouldn't speak things like that over people. They haven't done it yet. And there you are saying that they're going to deny you and get scattered and all that sort of stuff. And even quoted Scripture. Even quoted Scripture. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Hmm. All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. Now, is he speaking to anyone in particular? He's All of them. All the disciples. He's got his disciples with him. He's speaking to all of them. Notice he did not single anyone out. He said it to all of them. All of you will be made to stumble this night. All of you. Because of me. Well, I don't think any of the disciples received this, but Peter was the vocal one. Verse 33, Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. So even if all, who's the all? All the disciples. Even all, all the rest of your disciples stumble. I won't. Nope, nope. Not me. Mm-mm. Even if everybody, all these other, I understand these guys, these are weak. But I'm the guy who walked on water. I'm the guy who had the confession. This is Peter. You might love John, but I'm your favorite. Even though all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Does not say I will never stumble. He says I will never be made to stumble. No one is coming against me and causing me to stumble. No one will come against me and cause me to deny Jesus. No one will cause me to scatter. Now, is Peter following the directive of Mark chapter 11? Is he speaking a defined course of action? Do you sense any doubt with this man? I don't think there can be any doubt because if you you got 12 guys, 12 guys total, 11 other people, you've been traveling around with them for all these years. And you're going to stand up in front of them and say, not me, maybe these guys, <laughs> but not me. I'm sure that's not taken real well with all of them. Sometimes I may just say, well, there goes Peter running off with the mouth again. But, uh, you know, uh, they can get offended. Peter must be at a point, he does not doubt that what he is saying is true. So that must mean there's also some belief in there. There's some, he, he must believe what he's saying, isn't, doesn't he? So he believes what he says. He doesn't doubt in his heart as far as we can tell. And he speaks it with his mouth. Does it work? It <laughs> doesn't work. Oh, man, what, what's up with that? Why doesn't it work? Well, see, that's it. Jesus just taught wrong stuff over there in Mark chapter 11. We'll just throw the whole thing out. Because apparently it doesn't work. So since Peter spoke up, Jesus said to him, Surely I say to you that this night, tonight, before the rooster crows, before morning comes up, you will deny me three times. Now understand this. Jesus already knew that Peter would deny him three times. He already knew that. But he does not say it. He says, all of you will be made to stumble this night because of me. If Jesus has specifics on Peter, what do you think the odds are that he has specifics on some others. The only reason he speaks up and says what Peter's specifics are is because Peter opens his mouth. The rest of them stayed quiet. If John spoke up, he said, John, you're going to do it twice. And Matthew, four times. I, he, he may have been to go around the room and tell everybody how many times that they would have denied him. It seems to be that Jesus knew. But he just said, all of you will be made to stumble this night because of me. And so Peter chimes up and says, no, nah, not me. Uh, all right, Peter, if you want the specifics, here it is. Three times before tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me. Three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Is he speaking something here? Does he have belief in this? Do you sense any doubt? So it seems like he has all the ingredients. 
Don't you hate that when you have all the ingredients for something and you cook it and it just doesn't come out right? I mean, it's just not quite there. <laughs> I want it to be there. But, oh, it's just not, it is, it's just not quite there. There's just some, something just seems to be missing. You ever been to a restaurant and you had a, had a meal? Oh, it was good. Oh, it was, it was good. Oh, they, but it seems so simple. I mean, it's just this with this and this, right? And you go home and you try and do it yourself. And what happens? That's why they get the money. That's why people go over there and, 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 and buy stuff there. <laughs> we had to, uh, I had to de- deliver a bed out to Wildwood just today. And uh, there's this guy who um, I used to deliver to when I was out there. And um, used to stop in, have lunch every once in a while and pick up some stuff from him. So I stopped in. I actually called down. I'm on my way down there. I called over just to see. Anybody there? And it's February. And sure enough, somebody answered the phone. Hey, is Rick there? No, nah, but he'll be in in about a half hour. Oh, great. I'm going to stop in and tell him, tell him uh, give him my name. Tell him I'm going to stop in and see him. Okay? So I stopped in to see him. And, you know, we have our pleasantries and stuff like that. I said, well, I have to go over and deliver this bed. Uh, but I'd like to come on back and get some lunch. So he said, all right, well, we'll be here. So I did. came on back and got some, got some lunch. And, and I had my my uh, heart set on a soft shell crab because I was alone. There was no one else with me and it bothers some of the other people in our family when you do a, a soft shell crab because it's the whole crab and it's looking at you. But they still taste good. <laughs> so I went on back there and I said, do you have any of those soft shell crabs? I know it's not the season for it, but I don't know. Maybe they get them in from someplace else. And he said, uh, no. He said, we have some frozen ones. I said, are they, are they as good? He said, no. <laughs> so I said, all right. He says, go pick out something else. So I went on over there and looking over the menu, looking over the menu. And finally, I looked up on the board and they had on the board a special. And they had salmon. How many of you all like salmon? Well, they had salmon that did it three different ways, but the one way was blackened. I love good blackened food, but, you know, just doing it yourself at home, it just doesn't always seem to come out right. So when I saw that, I says, I don't need to look any further. Give me the blackened salmon. Absolutely. That's, that's what I want. Give me the blackened salmon. So they fried it up. Fifteen minutes later, I was out the door with blackened salmon in a nice little container and on down the road eating black. Oh, boy, was it good. Oh, it was so good. Oh, I tell you what, I ate every bit of that. And he, they gave me some salmon. It was three pieces of it. Three pieces of the thing in there. I mean, it was, it was pretty good to just fill up just on the salmon. Oh, it was, it was good. But, you know, you come on home and you try and do the same thing, and it just doesn't seem to be just as, as good. It's just missing something. Peter seems to be missing something here. It's just not coming out right. I mean, Jesus speaks to a fig tree, and the next day it's dead. Peter says, I won't deny him before morning comes. He's denied him three times. Now, he's not speaking to another person. He's talking about himself, isn't he? He's not saying, John won't deny you. I think he's kind of looking forward to that. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. And Jesus is sitting there saying, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, here's what you got. Jesus spoke a direct word. All of you will be caused to stumble because of me. All of you. Because it's written this way. It was actually prophesied in the Old Testament that all you guys were going to fall on the night I was betrayed. You're all going to scatter. But don't worry about it. Is what he says to them. Just, uh, I'm going to go on before you. We'll meet up over in Galilee. He wasn't mad at them. He's just telling them, this is how it's going to be. This is what's going on. Well, it just doesn't seem to quite work here for Peter. Out of Peter's mouth, it seems that belief is there. Everything is all, all there it needs to be. And Jesus even gives them scripture and says, this is what the scripture says. Now look over down at verse 40. We're skipping over the part here, but Jesus went into the garden and he went in there to pray and he asked the disciples to pray and took three of them along with him and said, now you guys, you know, pray with me. And he says this. He said to him in verse 40, then he came to to disciples and found them. This is the three found them asleep and said to Peter, what could you not watch with me one hour? Verse 41, real key verse here. Watch and pray 
lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. What temptation do you think Jesus is speaking about? Denying Him. I mean, isn't that the temptation they're going to face right now? The, the temptation they're going to face is to deny Jesus Christ as Lord. That, you know, we, we don't know. Mm -mm. No, he says, all of you are going to be caused to stumble. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. So get the whole picture of this thing here. What you have is Jesus quotes to them scripture, a prophecy that those who followed him would all fall away. And then Jesus proclaimed it. All of you will fall away this night because of me. If one of them does not, does that make what Jesus said false? They didn't off. I mean, if Peter did not fall away and the rest of the 11 did, well, 10, because, you know, Jesus is already gone. Then that wouldn't have been right. And the scripture wouldn't have been right. So get this. Understand this. Jesus is telling them this is going to happen. It's been prophesied it's going to happen. But if you want to prevent it, do this. If you want to prevent this from happening, then uh, just stay here with me. Watch and pray. That's all. Just you know, stay here with me. Watch and pray. Lest you enter into temptation. It's, it sure seems to me that the insinuation is if you watch and pray, you are at least going to be better equipped to resist temptation and not fall away. But they didn't do it. They did what? Fell asleep. So Jesus didn't just come up to them and say, well, you know, I tried to get them to do what they needed to do. No, he woke them up and said, look, if you guys don't sit here and watch and pray, you will enter in. You, you will stumble. You will enter into temptation. Come on, get up, pray. Oh, yeah. All right. We, we got to do it. We got to go. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So a way out is provided despite the prophecy. God gave him a way out. If you don't want to fall here, pray, get yourself ready. They didn't do it. And the prophecy was fulfilled. All of them stumbled. All of them went away. All of them denied him. Where was the override? There was something that happened with Peter that caused the principle that Jesus taught to be overridden. Had to be, right? Otherwise, it should have worked. Numbers chapter 14, verse 20. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. This is Moses... Uh, interceding for the Israelites because they were in a bad way and God's ready to wipe them out. But truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord because all these men who have seen my glory and signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers nor shall any of those who reject, rejected me see it. But my servant, my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow turn and move out into the wilderness by way of the Red Sea. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complained against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Remember we talked about complaints before? Complaining is not good, is it? God does not like complaining. Just as a reminder, I put this in your outline for you. If we are complaining, we are changing direction. If we are complaining, we are changing direction. There are thoughts that arise and meditating on them results in dissatisfaction. When we become dissatisfied, we complain and we change direction. Have you ever found any person who's getting divorced who was not complaining? <laughs> it's pretty tough to find that, is it? Thoughts came in. They began to meditate on it. Then they became dissatisfied with their spouse. Right? Have we had thoughts come in and we become dissatisfied with our job? Have we had thoughts come in and we become dissatisfied with our Christian walk? Have we had thoughts come in and we become dissatisfied with the promises of God and how they are or are not coming to us? 
And with our mouth, we set a course to change direction. We looked uh, mostly at Jairus, that Jesus stopped him from speaking. Interrupted. Wouldn't let that come out of his mouth. And said, no, 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 don't fear. Don't fear. If you believe, anything's possible here. Stay with it. Stay with it. Don't veer off. Verse 28. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so will, so I will do to you. The carcasses of, of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. You shall by no means enter land which I swore to make you dwell in, but your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. It is hard to say if we complain against a thing that God has promised us that we are not despising it. And that's what he accused them of. How many times have you ever heard people, you know, we, we start teaching these principles of faith. You know, some churches bail out on that. And they don't teach principles of faith because then people rise up and they complain, well, that's, that's for all you can't. God doesn't always. And they complain. Why? Because they've despised something that God has put out there. Hard to, hard to say you're not doing that. Not you, but, you know, other people. Other states far away verse 33 and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness according to the number of the days in which you spied out the land 40 days for each day you shall bear your guilt one year namely 40 years and you shall know my rejection I the Lord have spoken this I will surely do this do so to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. So they're already gone. But Joshua the son of Nun, Caleb the son of Jephunneh, remained alive of all the men who went out to spy the land. So they couldn't say that they caught some virus over there in the other place and uh, died because of that. Because the two who didn't com uh, bring the people to complain didn't die, but the ten who did, they did die. Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel and the people were greatly happy. No, they weren't happy, were they? They were mourning. They were, they were sad. They didn't like this. No, 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 we don't... No, we... Oh, that's not right. Oh, no, we don't want to do that. No, we've, we've complained before against God. He never got this man. Why is he so mad at us now? Come on. Verse 40. And they arose. Who's they? The people of Israel. They arose early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain saying, Here we are. And we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised for we have sinned. Are they saying something? Are they speaking a direct course of action? Yes. We will go up to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. Mm -hmm. You think they believe it? Are you going to go into battle with giants? If you don't believe it? See, they, they made it about face and they turned. But the reason they turned was not because of the words that God had spoken of promise. It was because of the words God spoke of judgment. Oh, we don't like that judgment. Oh, we're going to go. We're going to go on ahead here and we're going to do this. Uh, we're ready now. We're ready. Let's go. And we, we all got up there and we're ready to go. Verse 41. And Moses said, Now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. I think this is definitely where the psychologists have gotten the reverse psychology from. It's right here. Because God says, Go up. No. All right, don't go up. Yes. I mean, whatever you say to these people, they're going to do the other thing. Go up to the land. It's great. No, no, no. All right, don't go then. Stay out here and die. No, 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 we'll go. I think if God would come back and said, all right, go. No, 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 we're not going to go. I don't know that for sure, but, oh, man. Do not go up. 
lest you be defeated by your enemies, for the Lord is not among you. But he's just with us yesterday. He's just here yesterday. Where could he go? I mean, how much, how much difference can a day make? <laughs> Remember we talked about that before? How much difference can a day make? Well, this time it made a difference the other way. It went from being really good to really bad. Instead of from really bad to really good. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you and you shall fall by the sword. Oh, Moses, you and those negative confessions. Stop speaking that kind of stuff over us. Stop speaking defeat and failure. That's not right. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you and you shall fall by the sword because you have turned away from the Lord. The Lord will not be with you. Verse 44 is key for us here for understanding both things. But they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormah. Verse 44. But they presumed to go up. What is presumption? I've mentioned this series a number of times, but Brother Fred Price had a wonderful series. And the first time I ever got to see him teach was when I was down there at Ramah and orientation was by Brother Fred Price. And he came up and he did this series called uh, uh, Faith, Foolishness, or Presumption. He wrote a book of it, but that's where it came from. It came from this uh, int introduction for, for folks down there at Ramah. And so they videotaped it. And so every class that came in, since he had done that live, every class that came in watched it. It was an hour a day for five days. And we would, we would watch Faith, Foolishness, or Presumption. And oh, I'll tell you what, Brother Fred Price was good on that. Oh, if you ever don't have that book, get that book. It's, it's, it's well worthwhile. If you can find it on tape, I'm sure you probably can't find it on CD unless he has taught it again recently. <laughs> I think a year or two after I left school, they brought him in again live and retaped it. So they had it for the students there. But presumption won't work. I just, I just thought that one statement just said so much. Faith, foolishness, or presumption. And his premise was that many things that people in the church body were doing in faith, bordered on foolishness and were actually presumption. Oh, it was good. Anybody not read that book? Faith, Foolishness, Presumption? Tell you what, if you can find it, get it. It's worth every bit of the read you can have from that, in that thing. Brother Fred Price. So what is presumption? I wrote it in here this way. Presumption is faith without foundation. First off, presumption is faith without foundation or actions of transgression. Faith without foundation or actions of transgression. I'll explain this as we go, but this way at least you get it. Get it down and we can explain the time as we go. It would appear that Peter was a man of faith. I will not deny. I will die before I deny you. No one will cause me to deny you. That would seem to be a person of faith. But it didn't work. And what he spoke did not happen. Now again, he's not speaking to a thing. He's speaking to a person, but it's himself. Can't speak over other people, but you sure better be able to talk about yourself, right? Faith without foundation. Faith without foundation, folks, is simply developing faith in something without a valid foundation. Just because you speak a thing and believe it does not mean it is built on a faith foundation. Just because you speak it, just because you say it with your mouth, just because you have faith in it, just because you're not doubting in your heart does not mean that it is built on a faith foundation. In Mark chapter 11, he starts off, the first thing he says is, have faith in God. There is your foundation. Have faith in God. Our foundation has got to be right. You have got to establish a belief in something. A lot of people want something to happen so badly that they transfer that over as belief. 
as faith. It is not. Wanting, desiring, longing for something to be true, to come about, does not equate to faith. The woman with the issue of blood. Do you think that over all those years in which she had this problem, do you think she longed to be healed? Do you think she desired greatly to be healed? Do you think she wanted it with everything in her? She gave up all her money. It is not desire. It is not a longing for. It is faith. There is a foundation of faith that needs to be there. You've got to have that belief structure. And so that comes by spending time in the Word of God. Getting into the Word and finding out what does the Word of God have to say about this thing for me? What does it say? And I go over that and I go over that and I develop a belief foundation, a faith foundation. And on that foundation, I will not be moved. The Word of God talks many times about a foundation. It talks about the the house built on a firm foundation or the house built on the sand. We've got to get the foundation down. We've used the example before, but if someone were to come over and try and shake you in the area of you are going to heaven, you would have a hard time with that. They couldn't shake you off that because you have spent time getting the Word of God in you for a firm foundation that I'm going to heaven. There is a heaven and I'm going there. And there's a place for me up there too. Got my name on it. My address right there. You know that you're saved. You know that your sins are forgiven. These aren't things that you question. And you speak it out of your mouth as as such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm forgiven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to heaven. Oh yeah, no, no problem. That's where I'm going. Because we spend time on the foundation. But sometimes we want something so badly that we just skip building the foundation and we go right to, I'm just going to, I'm going to say this is mine. I'm going to say this is mine. Do you think that Peter desired to die for Jesus? You, you look at what he said, folks. Would you say that? And not want to die? Would you say all that stuff? Would you want to stand up in front of a group of people and say, you know what? I'll, I'll die for this cause. I will die for it. But then when you're given the choice, I understand that's different. When the gun's pointed at your face, when the officers are there to arrest you for the thing, it, it, it can change your mind. But I think at this point, he had a desire. I, I don't want to deny you. I want to, I want to stay true. Even to the point of death, that's what I want to do. I want to do that. But Jesus was telling him, look, this is how you get that foundation down. Pray now. Get yourself ready. Let the Spirit of God minister to you. Get you strong. Because stuff's coming. And it's going to shake you. It's going to knock you out. And you're going to fall. You're going to stumble because of me. No, 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 no. See, a faith confession, folks, does not replace a firm foundation. You've got to have the foundation. Have faith in God. Get your foundation down. There are sometimes, folks, we get out there and we start confessing some things in the area of finances. My finances are this. My finances are that. But I have not spent the time to really find out that God desires this for me. And you want to find out that's true? It's simple. When you get to the place where you have too much month, how many of you down on the inside say, well, I gave that a try. Gave that a whirl. just didn't work. You didn't have the foundation done. Because I guarantee you, no one's coming up to you and saying, and saying, uh, you aren't going to heaven. There is no heaven. And you say, really? All this time I've been thinking there was a heaven. Huh. Well, you wouldn't do that, would you? No, because you have a foundation there. There's a difference between a faith confession and a faith foundation. You've got to have the foundation. You've got to be firm on it. Got to be firm on it. Brother Hagen would tell us a story when he learned some things about finances. And uh, after he learned them, and he was putting them in the operation, and he went to, I don't know if it was the first church or the second church, but it was real early on after this, and he had changed some things. He, uh, uh, I told you we found this on video, and our, our goal is to get this over here for you all to get to see it too. But he, he went to, the, to one of the first, second church, somewhere in there, and he, he made a statement, Father God, I, I need this to come in on the offering. 
and they counted up the offering, and they were I, I, I forget the figures on this, so I'm just I'm fudging on this part, but they were something like fifty dollars short. And and Brother Hagen uh, said, well, you know what, we need to count it again. So you take that pile, the pastor took this pile, he took this pile, and they went through the whole offering, and they counted it again. It came up exactly the same thing. They were $50 short. Well, we've got to count it again. Well, I mean, really, this is a good offering, the pastor said. This is, a, this is the better offering we've taken up for anybody. This is a good offering. Um. Really, we need to count it again? Yeah, 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 we need to count it again. Because if it's not all here, I have to go back to all the churches I was just at and preach to them. It doesn't work. <sighs> Counted it again. Don't you know they came up with the same number? It didn't change. Well, Brother Hague is ready to count it a fourth time. Just pull it all out. Count it again. It's got to be here. It's got to be here. And uh, just then he remembered that somebody had handed him an envelope. And he'd stuffed it in his pocket and he hadn't remembered that. And they pulled it out and found out it was 50 bucks or whatever it was missing. And it came right up to the amount that they needed a little bit over. And, and they were good. Now, see, that's a person who's got a foundation in something. They're not, really, they're not willing to give up. Because they're convinced. Sometimes people are not willing to give up because they're trying to convince themselves that it's true. There's a difference between a faith confession and a faith foundation. You've got to establish the faith foundation. You have got to know that healing belongs to me. But I guarantee you there's Christians all over sitting in faith churches today. Uh, yep, healing belongs to me. Healing belongs to me. But this is a little tough. I don't know about this one. I mean, I've had this a long time. I don't, know, I don't think that will quite go away. You've got to have the foundation. Peter, what did Peter base his foundation on for his confession? I won't deny you. Everybody, all these other guys here, they may deny it, but not me. I will die for you. That's a powerful confession. That sure would seem like a faith confession that would be t able to test, uh, stand the test of time for most of us, but it didn't work. There was a problem. So I took both of these stories. And I, I put it here in, the, in, the, in your outline, the common components of these stories. You can even cross-reference this to the story we looked at last week, and you'll see some of the same things. But we looked at these two here today. We're going to look at these, these two for some common components. Because somehow, there is something that is in common that's causing this to not work. Somehow, there, there's something. If any of you have computerized minds, I have one of those computerized minds then, you know, I, I think things along those lines. If you have a computer problem, you may have two Windows machines. I didn't say Apple because you can't work on Apples. Apples are useless. Windows you can work on. And if you don't work on computers, you don't know what that means. Apple, you know, people want to plug it in and turn it on and it goes. And if it ever breaks, you got to take it over to the Apple store. I don't want a computer like that. I want one that I can fix. And so, you know, you have two or three Windows computers and, if, and, and there's something wrong with this one. But it's not wrong on this one and it's not wrong on this one. You know what you have to do? You have to find out what are the common elements that all these computers have together. And then what are the common elements that are unique to the computers or computer that is not working? Now you've isolated something. That's what you've got to do. You've got to isolate it down. All right, well, these two over here have this program, this program, and this program, and this one doesn't. So maybe there's a conflict between these programs, and, and that's what you have to do. You have to find the common components. So we're doing the same thing here. We're just using that same strategy here. What is common with Peter? What is common with the folks in Israel? Because we've all had some things like Peter where we said, that, I, that won't happen. We made faith statements. We all have people like Israel where we've gone up on the mountain, ready to go out to battle. All right, I'm ready now. <laughs> Let's go get them. And uh, we, we turn tail and run. The first thing is a hard heart. The very first thing in this list is hard hearts. For Peter, it was a hard heart. For the nation of Israel, it was hard hearts. But you understand. They were hard to something. What were they hard to? Well, Peter. We looked at him first. Peter 
when Jesus said, all of you will be made to stumble this night because of me, and then he quoted scripture, what was Peter's reaction to it? No, 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 no. Uh-uh. What do you have? I'm hard to that. Now, sometimes it's good to be hard to some things because there's some stuff that wants to get in that's not supposed to. You know, you can be, have a hard heart to people who want to teach doubt and unbelief. I've been in services before and people were, are teaching doubt and unbelief. I'm hard to that. I'm there. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, nope. Not believing that one. Mm-mm. I'm not receiving that. Because I've determined it to be doubt and unbelief. So I'm not saying that, you, you know, a hard heart is, is, you have to be open to everything. Well, we should just be open. We have to consider all viewpoints and all opinions. And, you know, it's just, we need to have these open discussions and, and things like that. And I detest the media, you know, already. But every time I, I hear them talk about, you know, well, we have to be open. And it means, you know what it means? It means the people who believe like I do, we have to be open. But the people who are anti-God, they don't have to be. I'm resistant to that. I don't like that. No, don't be telling us that we got to be open and you guys are closed. That's not right. Hard hearts, they're hard to some things. Peter was hard to Jesus saying, you're going to fall tonight. And then Peter says, look, Peter, you're going to fall three times. Before morning comes, you're going to fall three times. Oh, no. Oh, no. What's he, what's he doing? Now, this is Jesus. Jesus is trying to speak into him. Help him out of this thing. He even takes him over into the garden, pulls him up and says, all right, now pray that you don't enter into temptation. And what do they do? Fall asleep. He wakes them up. Come on. They fall asleep again. You see, he has a hard heart to this. He's not receiving it. If he had truly received, I could fall tonight. I'm going to, I'm going to keep myself awake. I'm going to find a way to, to do this. I'm going to go down to the Wawa and get some caffeine pills. Something. <laughs> they work for you, great. They have no effect on me at all. I've doubled and tripled and quadrupled dose on caffeine pills and could fall asleep within 15 minutes. If I'm tired, mm. but you know, sometimes you're driving, you want to try and have that, that go. I haven't found anything that works yet for that. So the only thing I find that works is pull over and get some rest. Hard hearts. That's the come one common thing. They were hard to what Jesus was trying to teach them. The folks in Israel were hard to what Moses was trying to say. They were not receiving the things that were, were being spoken. Moses even said, don't go up. Don't go up. Don't go up to that mountain. You're, you're transgressing the command of the Lord. You're not honoring the things that God has said. No, 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 no. We're going to honor it now. Uh-huh, yeah. Hard hearts. People who have hard hearts to the things of God will not find themselves in faith. Now, I have a hard heart, very, very hard heart to anything the media has to say. All they have to do is open their mouth and I'm, I am so hard to it. If I'm on a, on a station and a, and a news thing comes on, I turn the radio off. If I'm by myself driving, I can't stand listening to it. I don't want to hear it. I was out driving yesterday. I had to get a traffic report. Oh, I cringed. I had to actually turn on KYW and wait until the traffic report. The whole time, went, oh, this is painful. Oh, this is hard. Oh, I don't want to listen to anything. I really don't. I don't want to listen to anything they have to say. I almost don't even believe their traffic report. I am that close to not even believing the traffic report. I already don't believe them on the sports. I don't. I, if they tell me that the Flyers won 4-2, i got to check it out because I don't believe it. I'm that hard to them. I mean, that's a hard heart towards the things of the media. I'm hard to, to that sort of stuff. So it's not necessarily bad to have a hard heart towards the right things. But you've got to determine which things you're going to have a hard heart towards. And Peter picked the wrong one. Israel picked the wrong one. First off, it's a hard heart. Second, resistance to the truth of the word. 
resistance to the truth of the word. When the word of God is spoken, I don't know. I don't know. Because, you know, there are people out there, Christians, good. I know you haven't met any of them yet, but they're out there. Christians who, if you show them something in the word, do you see? Here it is in the word of God. It's right here. Can you see it? I don't know about that. Dear Lord, people, get saved. Get born again, please. If it's in the Bible and it says this, I'm not so sure about that. I have no time. I have no patience with that, especially if they're a Christian for a while. You don't want to. You want to? Fine. I'm out of here. I don't need to talk about it, do you? you know, die. I'm all right with that. Go with it. See how that works for you. Now, sometimes we've got to get a little more compassion than that, but Jesus ran into people who were, resist, were resistant to the word. What do you do? Yeah, see you later. We're out of here. What do you tell the disciples? If they resist the word of God or you're preaching in the cities, what do you do? Leave. Shake the dust off your feet as a sign. Now, and, 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 um, James and John, I mean, they got this, this down. And so when they saw the people not respond well, they said, shall we call, uh, fire down from heaven? You're going to see it. Can we? <laughs> Can we please? <laughs> I really want to do this. <laughs> I want to watch them burn. I understand that. Because I am looking forward. I know that my mansion has a view, little viewer in there, and I can watch Katie Couric. Every morning, I'm going to turn on, you know, good morning, heaven. Because she has deceived a lot of people. She has put down a whole lot of things about God. And unless she repents, folks, I think her section of hell is going to be a whole lot hotter than everybody else's. Same thing of folks like Dan Rather and all these other guys out there. They have deliberately, deliberately put God down, challenged God said things that were false, misrepresented stories to make people who were uh, serving God look badly. And you know what, folks? You pick a fight with God. Because you know there's a scripture that says, whatever you do to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Just imagine Katie Couric doing some of the things she's done to God. That's one of those ones that you, when it gets to that time, stand back. Give them plenty of room. Resistance to the truth of the word. There are some people that you go up to and as soon as you mention the Bible, as soon as you mention the word, hard. Resistance. Mm-mm. No, no. No, that's the Bible. That's the Bible. And you expect it for people out in the world. But folks, Christians, if you see it in the Bible and it is against what you think, you better start changing you better start changing. Maybe you didn't know that that was in the Bible before, but now that you see it, you better start changing. Don't give me the, well, let me meditate on that for a year or two. Uh-uh. God says, you know it now. What are you going to do now? Resistance to the truth of the word. Peter resisted the word. Jesus even spoke scripture. No, that's, that scripture is wrong. Whoever, I don't know who wrote that, Jesus, but whoever wrote that scripture, they're wrong because I'm here. And I'm not falling, so that, mm-mm, they're wrong. They didn't know I was going to be picked or something. I'm not sure what it was, but they're wrong. Resistance to the truth of the word. Third, denial of facts, faults, and weaknesses in themselves. The children of Israel denied the facts, the faults, and the weaknesses in themselves. When, Paul, when Moses said, God's not going to with you. You have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. You have not done what he said to do. He's not going to go with you. No, 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 no. God likes us. Uh huh. God's, God's going to be here. God's going to go with us. We're going. Denial of facts, faults, and weaknesses. Jesus came up to Peter and said, You're going to deny me? No, no, no. John might. Not me. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, 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 no. James, I can see him, but not me. This is Peter. Jesus, this is Peter. I walked on water with you. Denial of facts, faults, 
and weaknesses. Folks, there's times that God is going to speak a word to you because I'm believing for a certain thing to happen and God will speak a word. You need to change this. You need to, you need to start walking more in love. You're not walking enough in love. It's hindering you. I rebuke that. Devil, get behind me. Mm-mm. No, no, I'm a love man. I'm a faith man. I'm a word man. No, no, no. Uh-uh. No, I... Denial of facts, faults, and weaknesses in themselves. God can even come up and say, Peter, by the morning you're going to deny me three times. No. 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 Mm-mm. Hard hearts, resistance to the truth of the word, denial of facts, faults, and weaknesses in themselves. And four, doubting of God's power and promises. Doubting of God's power and promises. They deny the facts and faults in themselves and they doubt the power and the promises of God. They doubt it. How did Peter doubt the promises of God in this situation? When he's over in the garden and they're praying. And he says, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Is that a promise? Is that speaking about the power of God? Does he listen? Well, he was tired. Oh, it's a shame. We should just get a time out. Doubting of God's power and promises. That's what Israel's problem was. They, were, they doubted God's power and doubt, doubted God's promises. Now all of a sudden, the next day, oh, no, no, I'm with it. Mm-mm. Yeah, we're, we, God will do it. Number five, truth is not always positive, but it is better to know and act. You may not like the truth that God's Word points out for you, but it's better to know it and act on it. You just deny it. Just put your head in the sand. Eh. Not going to happen. You need, if you want this principle to work for you, you need to meditate into the Word of God and to the point where it develops faith. And you have, you, you have that faith. That faith is rising up on the inside of you. And you can look at that thing that you are up against and say, no, I will conquer you through faith in God's word. You will not stand in my way. I'm over this thing. And then you speak out of that faith against that mountain. And that mountain will be cast into the sea. But you've got to develop that faith for yourself. Now, here's a whole lot of folks out there. A lot of Christians pick up on this stuff. And they start speaking that things will change. It's just like going up, mountain, do something. Jesus didn't come and say that those people go up and say to the mountain, do something. Do something. Anything, just something. Do it. Now. (laughs) No. He didn't say that. He said, if you say to this mountain, be picked up and cast into the sea and believe it in your heart, don't doubt. And you will have what it is that you say. But you see, we're not developing a plan. We have no faith for a plan because we haven't developed a plan. Well, I don't care how God does it. I just wanted him to do it. And good for you. And God's saying, what does he want to do? Do something. Something. Do it. Sit over there waiting. God, come on, do something. God, do something. God's saying, do something. We're saying, do something. You, you do something. No, you do something. Quit it. God says, say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. You need to know what your enemy is, what your obstacle is, and where you want it to go and how you want it to get there. And say it. How are you going to get out of debt? I don't know. I guess just make enough money. Well, there you go. Are you speaking to the mountain? No, I'm just asking for something to happen. I don't know what. Something. <laughs> something ought to happen. <laughs> just something. Make some money. Make some money. No. What's your strategy? What's your plan? How are you going to get out of debt? How are you going to get that mortgage paid off? How are you going to get that car paid off? What are you going to do? Well, I'm believing God that I'll have the money each month to make that thing and in three years, it'll be paid. Father God, I thank you that right now I have them. Every time that payment comes due, I have money to make that payment and in three years, that payment is gone. Is that a strategy? Can you get your head around that one? 
Can you believe it in your heart? Then you're good. Somebody else may may have come up there and says, I believe a check will come tomorrow. Take care of the whole thing. Well, if they can get their faith around that, then there you go. But you've got to build your faith on something. Faith does not just materialize. It comes from something. You've got to read something in the Word of God that says, this is the faith. This is the thing. This is what you need to do. How many are believing for a healing? How are you believing for that healing? You want to just pop out of the air? Oh, God, I just want to wake up tomorrow and not have any pain. Come on, how many said that? I want to wake up tomorrow and just not feel sick anymore. I want to wake up tomorrow and no more, whatever it is your condition is. Come on, we've all thought that. Why? Because we're discouraged. Where does discouragement come from? We had some complaining. And in the complaining, we did some changing. And now we're discouraged. That's why it's not getting there. You don't get there that way. What you do is you establish a pattern. What do you want done? I want this to get done. I am going to... This this thing is going to be done. How's it going to get done? How are you going to be healed over that? Well, I believe if I go to a Benny Hinn building and he lays hands on me, that I'll be healed. I believe that. Good. Somebody else might be saying out there, I don't like Benny Hinn. I'm not going to no Benny Hinn meeting. Well, that's fine. (laughs) Whose meeting do you want to go to? Maybe you say, I don't want to go to any meeting. I'm just going to use the name of Jesus. Well, you meditate in the Word of God. You build yourself up on that. You know, I can use the name of Jesus on this thing and it'll be done. Well, you don't just don't... You know, sometimes people pick it because it's the easiest way. Well, I don't feel like going away out to Philadelphia and waiting in line and, you know, finding parking. You know what that's like. <laughs> and then you got to face the traffic to get out there, you know, the traffic to get it back on home. And, you know, it'll be like midnight before I even get home. I don't feel like doing it. I think, oh, you know what, I'm just going to... I'm just going to believe that, you know, I'm just going to say it. It's going to happen. You know where your faith came from? Laziness. Not from the Word. That's why it's not going to work. You don't have a faith foundation. You have a laziness foundation. I want the easier way. I want to, yeah, I don't want to go all the way down to that meeting. People say funny things about Benny anyway. You know what, folks? I don't care if you like him or not. You get healed in the Benny Hinn meeting, isn't it just as good? Glory to God, they get healed. Here's some of the other people who go go around. Rodney Howard Brown, and he one that goes around and does some of those. And maybe go down to Creflo Dollar. He's got a seminar going on. He'll lay hands on you. All you need to do is get get your faith in it. The woman with the issue of blood had faith that who would do it? Jesus. Jesus, not the disciples. She passed the disciples on the way to Jesus. She had faith in Jesus. And you know, sometimes you're praying, then God will rise up inside you, go over to this person's meeting. Well, I don't even know that person. I don't like that person. Go to Benny Hinn's meeting. I don't even like Benny Hinn. It's kind of ugly. That suit he wears all the time? Dear Lord. But you see, what are you doing then? You're bringing in an override principle because you are resisting the word that God spoke to you. And you've overridden the thing that you say you're believing for. And it's not going to happen. The reason maybe God wants you in that particular meeting that he was leading you to was because they were going to unlock something. They were going to say something that's going to help you out. There was something that you needed. There was, there was an ingredient missing. It's simple. But someone was going to had the words and they were going to say it for you. And God said, that's where you need to be because he heard that. He's going to say it for you. And when you hear that, you'll understand. He may, God may not say all that to you. Now, the story we read in Matthew, he just said, come on over here and pray. He didn't say why. He came back, he then told him why. And then it still didn't even stay there. You're believing God for something. God is going to speak something on the inside of you. He's going to say, go and do this. Believe for this. Go this way. Don't resist the word that comes. Don't resist it. Don't have a hard heart. Don't resist the truth of the word. Don't deny the facts, faults, and weaknesses in yourself. And don't be doubting God's power and ability, His promises. Don't do it. If God speaks to you, Steve, I don't want you to have anyone lay hands on you. I want you to do it this way. Now do this. Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir, I'll do that. See, too many times, folks, we have faith confessions to try and generate faith. You generate faith in the Word of God. Not by having a faith confession. Well, yeah, Abraham. Sure, Abraham said, I'm the father of many. For how long? Generate faith from the Word of God for your situation. What is going to work for me to get me past that mountain is not the same thing that's going to work for you. But God knows who you are, where you are, and what you need. And He's going to speak some things to you. And when He speaks them to you, do not resist it. Yield. Don't find yourself like Peter. No, 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 not me, no. What if Peter would have just said, wow, I didn't think I was capable of that. You really mean I could deny you? Yes, Peter. Is there anything I can do to stop it? Is there anything I can do to build myself up? Anything at all? Well, yeah. It's not a foregone conclusion. This will happen. You can, you can do some things. He would have been open. When God speaks some things to you, he may point out some weaknesses and say, Steve, you got this problem over here. Now fix it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll fix that. Don't have a hard heart. Don't resist the truth. Don't deny the facts, faults, and weaknesses in myself. Stop doubting the, the, doubting the power of God and his promises. Truth may not always be positive that we get from God, but dear Lord, it sure is helpful. Sure is helpful. I'll put this in the end, the end here. I do not produce faith by what I say. I do not produce faith by what I say. I speak what I already believe, not what I desire. Speak what you believe. Not just what you desire. Sometimes you get, oh, I, just, I desire to be out of debt. Why do you desire to be out of debt? Well, then I'm not going to work. Can you really believe, uh, build a foundation of faith for that? No. We build a foundation of faith from the Word of God. When we do that, and then we begin to speak that out, our situations will change. And we won't be caught in that group of people that, uh, well, there's Peter, there's Israel, there's the folks that Jeremiah is ministering to, and their confession isn't working. They're having a confession, but it's not working. It's not changing the thing. You've got to believe that God's Word gave you the instructions. That God's Word gave you the promise. And you've got to hang on to that promise the same way that you do to heaven, the same way that you do to life that is to come, the same thing that you do with the kingdom that is to come. You've got to become that convinced. Those things are faith foundations for you. Now get healing in that area. Get finances in that area. Whatever it is that you're facing, get that in that area and let God speak to you. And let God minister to you what you need. Because He knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what you got to do. I was sitting in my shop doing some sanding and, and stuff of that nature. And this question came up on the inside of me. How do you know when you're in faith or whether you're working for it? You know, the hardest part is always the question. You get, the, you get the question, and if you can ask the question, oh, God speaks some answers to you. And so I got some answers on the thing. How can I tell whether I am in works, believing for this thing, or if I am in faith? And you know what? It's really easy to tell. It's not even hard. You'll be able to do it. Now, here's what you've got to do. When you hear it, Make sure you don't resist it. I'll show it to you from the Word of God. We'll spend some time and you'll see it from the Word of God. You'll be able to distinguish immediately if I am working for the thing or if I am believing for the thing. And we'll get picked that up next week. But I hope you got this part down because there are things you can do to override your faith. Override the principles in the Word of God. And you may be doing them and not even realizing it like Peter. I don't think Peter had any idea he overridden, had overridden his faith. No idea. The children of Israel surely didn't have any idea. They're going into battle. They're going to die. We can override our faith. There are principles out there that will override it. Just don't engage them. Glory to God. The things that you're believing for, the things that you need, it doesn't matter how tough it is. 
The woman with the issue of blood, was there any hope for her naturally? The people that Jesus healed with leprosy, was there any hope for them naturally? The people who were dead and in coffins, was there any hope for them naturally? The children of Israel when they were in front of the Red Sea and the army of Israel was behind them, or Egypt was behind them, was there any hope for them naturally? We can keep on going on. There's, there, people all the time face things there is no natural hope. It does not matter that your situation is no natural hope. No natural way for it to get fixed. All that matters is the promises of God. Build your faith on the Word. See how that mountain's going to move. And then speak that thing. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Your Word is so enlightening and so helpful for us. We give You the praise and the glory for it. We thank You, Lord, for Your power is all around us. It's so easy for us to sometimes forget that our God is the God of the impossible. That He has constantly done things that everyone has said that can't be done. But our God does it. So Father, help us to take a look at our situation. Not with a defeatist look that we've had. Oh, I've been defeated by this for 12 years. But from the look that says, Father God, you have a way for me to get out from under this. How is that way? And let your word speak faith to us that out of our mouth will come words of faith and words of belief. No doubt in our heart. Glory be to God. Thank you for the help that you give us on this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.